Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrew, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision-making. I'm here with Tom Spence, Nick Hare and Chris Ragg of Aleph Insights. And this week, we're discussing learning to whistle. Chris. You a good whistler? Uh, I consider myself to be a, a very fine whistler, yes. Uh, but that's not the reason why I um, uh, I thought this would be an interesting topic or why, why it occurred to me. Uh, the reason it occurred to me is because I was on, uh, as we all are now, on you know video calls all, all day with Nick, in fact. And um, suddenly his... Uh, middle-aged milkman uh walked walked by whistling or so i thought a chirpy whistle a chirpy a chirpy whistle like a you know um from a what seemed to be a a sort of large resonant uh uh, kind of physical frame anyway turns out it was nick's Mm. daughter who is how how old nick nine 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 right yeah so um uh, you know had a very uh uh, prodigious uh whistle um uh, about her and uh and it got me thinking because um you know both my daughters uh i've kind of tried to teach to whistle a few times but um but not in earnest but it struck me that whistling is one of those things that is very very difficult to teach you know there are lots of things that we try and teach our children like riding bikes and you know uh, uh reading and writing and so on but but whistling is really really difficult to teach it's it's not something you can readily demonstrate straightforwardly um, and so it got me thinking about, you know, what things, not necessarily what things are difficult to learn, but that, but that is related, but what, what things are difficult to teach and why. Mm. Mm. Okay, good. So, I mean, just an immediate question. I'm not going to ask you to, to whistle, Chris, but um, Nick, did you teach um, your daughter to whistle? No, she, she, no one taught me to whistle. I think all whistlers are autodidacts. I don't think, as Chris says, you can teach someone to whistle, but she's extremely, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? She perseveres. No, she's really, she's really, uh, you know, conscientious. And she, if she wants to do something ever since she was a baby, like she, she was always trying to walk. She always, if she's something she thinks she ought to be able to do, she'll, she'll just try and try and try until she gets it. And she did that with whistling. So, um yeah uh, very impressive um i, I mean i i i, I remit it's it's odd actually it's funny and i don't know how significant this is but it occurred to me that you know the things that are hard to teach and i came up with a list of five things that mm. i i sort of see it's one of those things that when you can do it it's really hard to explain what you're doing um uh, which was swimming riding a bike whistling swinging on a swing and blowing your nose right they're things that um I uh, remember, really vividly remember where I was when I could first do all of those things. I can I can tell you exactly what the circumstances were. Um, sw- swimming, I'm particularly sceptical, but even though Chris mentioned teaching people to swim, I don't believe that. I mean, for years, swimming teachers just said, you know, oh, we'll hold on to the side of the pool, waggle your legs around, fine, I could do that. Now just do it without holding on to the side of the pool. And hey, presto, I would sink. And they just couldn't believe it. They were like, no, you could, you must be doing something wrong. And I said, yeah, but what is it? And no one 
one would explain what it was. And then one day I was in the Mediterranean and there were some really big waves and I was sort of jumping up and down in the waves and suddenly I realised I could tread water. I was just doing something with my legs where I was staying afloat and I thought, well, actually, that's it now. If I can stay afloat in the water, I can do everything else. Um, so, yeah, I, I am interested in this topic too. Um, Tom, where were you when you first learned how to ride a bike? Very good question, Nick, and <laughs> I think you know the answer to that. Um, uh, I, I was not. I, I, I do not know how to ride a bike. So I cannot answer that question. Well, instead of instead of mocking him, which is the obvious response, what about what about actually trying to help help you learn to ride a bike during this podcast? Well, interestingly, uh, I was taught to ride a bike by my father, who couldn't ride a bike. So, so there you go. And I, I think there's a there's a big question in here, which is what what constitutes teaching? Because you sort of you, you know you taught most. I would say most physical skills. Uh, you know you. Teaching sort of or transferring knowledge is generally a case of saying, you know, there's a thing, this this battle happened on this date, and and there you go, you've taught somebody that fact. You really what you've done is you've you know transferred some some knowledge to them. But with physical skills, you can't you can't just take that in a nice little bite-sized unit and hand it over to somebody to to put in their brain. You you're really talking about um, having to create the conditions and you know uh, sort of provide suitable feedback on what what it is they're doing in order to enable them to self self learn it um, but also, well, let's, let's, so i want but can we not get back to tom talk us through has was there a situation where you were kind of set up to ride a bike and just and just gave up or just talk us through it yes it's interesting yeah um well when i when i was a child so maybe four or five days ago um, <laughs> my father tried to teach me to ride a bike. He's a very keen cyclist, um, uh, a lycra liker. Must be a tremendous disappointment. No, no. <laughs> yes, Sorry. thank Sorry. you. <laughs> um, uh, thank you for reminding me of that, Fraser. <laughs> so um, he tried to teach me to ride a bike, but in a, an attempt at a cost-saving measure, he bought a bike that a was unicycle too big for him. He only oh, got boys. one wheel. Um, yeah, he, he got a bike that was big enough for me to grow into, um, right. which meant that I couldn't actually reach the bottom of the pedals, um, mm. which I, I, I obviously don't know how to ride a bike, but I imagine it's quite an impediment to riding a bike. Um, mm. And so I repeatedly fell off, repeatedly hurt myself, and after you know, a couple of weeks of trying, I just refused to, to continue with the process of ritual humiliation and pain. And then he just Good had Lord. a worthless bike, so really it was a cost-cutting measure that didn't didn't Gone pay wrong. off in the long run. Well, yeah. I, I, it's interesting. I mean, I because that obviously I think I feel like your dad probably had a very high opinion of your learning ability and just thought, well, I'm not going to bother with this nonsense of buying a baby bike and then putting stabilizers on. My 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 Tom can deal with a grown up bike. He's got no problem with it, and and I can sort of understand that the kind of in at the deep end approach. Um, yeah, obviously, which is what you do when you're teaching someone to swim. My legs, uh, but, just weren't long yeah. enough for for the. Deep no, end. I know, I know, I accept that. I, I, but but actually, what you might not be aware of is that is that cyclist cycling people like to have their saddles really high up, and in fact, yeah. they 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 you know you're not supposed really to be able to touch the ground. I think when you're on a bike, right. but the but the um. You know, I obviously I I learned to ride a bike using the normal boring method of bit of having a little bike with stabilizers, and then one day, you know, I think it was my granny took off the stabilizers, and and I just I just didn't need them anymore. You flew and um, look, 
let's cut through this for uh, a moment because I think there's different things going on well, here from the examples we talked about. Yeah. And, I mean, is, is that okay if I so I I think there's three things going on. First, it's um, how difficult or not mm. is the skill that is trying to be passed on. That's the first thing. Second, are there any issues with the teacher? Three, are there any issues with the student? And so mm. I'm sure it will be relieve you to know, Tom, that I think the issues that you had with the mic are not with you. I think they were with your teacher. Thank okay? you. The fact that um, one in eight adults can't ride a bike agrees with you. I'm not alone. Oh, wow. Yeah, there we go. So uh, this is what we need to get down to, right? I mean, because really what we want to answer, I think, is what is if we if we remove the um you know the uh, they're not really outliers but if we remove the the chaff of having a crap teacher or a crap student okay it's it's the yeah. what is the stuff that's difficult mm. and i think actually yeah. probably um i don't know if whistling comes into that or not because that yeah, could just I, to do with physical attributes for example I th yeah which, I th yeah I, th I i i i think there's a there's a you've cut right to the chase which is you know it's not about the students um, receptiveness to it and it's not about the the skill of the teacher we're talking about what things are objectively difficult to teach and when you ask that question you have to say well how do you how do you measure or benchmark difficulty right and and there are you know because we kind of think about these tasks like in in a binary sense right you, you can either whistle or you can't you can either ride a bike or you can't but most skills that we learn you start off being rubbish at it and you go move along some kind of continuum until you're extremely proficient at it or not somewhere in between right but but with a lot of these skills there comes a point where you sort of think oh i i can do that that thing so you, you know but the, but the question is how do, how do you how do you measure um what the level of proficiency is that is the same as the level of proficiency in some other skills so you know like take i don't know two two subjects like maths and modern languages you know is is trigonometry the same uh, you know being able to do trigonometry is that the same as as knowing the you know cases in in german or something it's oh. it's very difficult to say that so so i think we've got a like a, a fundamental problem which is when you say is it difficult to do that thing it's like well how how good do you have to be in it and how do you how do you tell whether being that good in it is the same level of proficiency as being, you know, good at, at something else. I think in some ways whistling does have a proficiency element. You know, you can be able to whistle or you can be able to actually whistle a tune, but there is also a binary element. Can you yeah. make a whistling noise or not? And I think yeah. part of the reason it's so difficult to teach is that that binary element relies on very fine margins. You know, you your, someone's mouth has to be in a very specific orientation if their lips are pursed slightly too wide or are slightly too dry they can't make that noise and I think that's what makes whistling particularly difficult to teach is that there is very little room for error riding a bike yeah. for example you know hmm. you can push your leg down it doesn't matter if you push it down a little bit faster or a little bit slower or if you you know do it in a slightly yeah. weird way the ultimate outcome is still the same you've pushed a pedal Whereas yeah, the variance, the variance in successful conditions is 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 low. I don't know if anyone's exactly. ever tried to play play the fife, right? My daughter is learning to play the fife. Oh my god! When I I thought, well, okay, I'll I'll you know work out how to do it so I can then you know. It's assist. like a flute, isn't it? It's well, like a flute. Play the what? The fife. The fife. Mm. Yeah. So that military that military flute thing. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, like in orange. Well, but I mean, I mean, that's, but, but, that's right. But I nearly threw it in the bin. It was so 
Uh, like it's like his fife is broken. <laughs> his fife is broken. Exactly. It is. Go out and get a fife and try and play it. It is infuriating. Um, well, my da- my daughter, the one who whistles, also plays the trumpet, and that's something I can't do. I don't know how she does it. Um, no, I think what we've got here is a really good theory, uh, that, or at least I would say part a strong part of the theory, which is about um, the 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 way that you get feedback while learning, because. Um, with a lot of tasks, even think of something like speaking, right? You can do it badly, but you've still done something. But with riding a bike, you, you've got a long way to go before you're even riding a bike, right? You've got to do everything right, more or less. Um, and, and and all you know is that you can't do it. You don't know which thing you changed because you're in this whole space of it just not working. And it's the same with whistling. You, you just don't know which aspect of what you're doing to correct because you're getting no feedback at all. All you know is it doesn't work. And that was certainly my experience with swimming. You know, I did, just, I, everyone else was doing it. And I did apparently the same thing as them. And it just didn't work. And I didn't know what to affect. I all, but I also have another, I want to put forward another suggestion, which reminds me a bit of, you remember we did a podcast about smells a while back. And, um, and, and we, one of the things we were puzzled by is why we really lack a kind of common language of smells that would enable us to describe them to each other. Um, and, I, and I think there's this, this issue about sort of it, it being processed at a very low level of your sort of, um, you know, cognitive activity, a very fundamental part of your mm. brain. That um, that that means that we 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 can't really describe what's happening there. But also, if they involve fundamental or hidden motor movements, whistling is an example where something's happening in your mouth, but you can't really show people what you're doing. Really, so really fundamental ones. It's not like playing the piano where you're actually moving your fingers in the in a way that you know how to move them. You've just got to put them together. These are a bit like curling your tongue or something you know where you just you don't know if you can't do it or if you're just not doing it right you know it's like a thing that you do and i can't describe to you what the mental yeah what the mental signals are and so so i'd say it's a combination of those it's the it's the lack of feedback so it's the it's the fact that there's no progression towards just being able to do it it's just you can't until you can and that and that it's uh it involves fairly fundamental motor movements that's my theory. I like that. I mean, I think you're onto something there, Nick. Especially one of the things I like about the piano, let's say, versus the trumpet is kind of what I think is what you're talking about there. With the trumpet, you can't necessarily see what's going on. Someone's, no, you've got to purse your lips like that, etc. Whereas the piano, you just plonk. Even though, and that's not to say it's easier or more difficult than another instrument, but it's, it's a very immediate yeah. kind of feedback. You can see that you're doing it right. So Lesson one, plonk. Lesson two, Rachmaninoff's second piano concerto. There we go. Yeah. Um, I've got to play the piano. I mean, fe- yeah. it's well established that um, uh, um, the the sort of uh, immediacy of um, feedback from a task affects your your learning. And, you know, one source of that feedback is your teacher, right? And swimming is a, a good example of something that's that's difficult to teach because neither the teacher nor the learner can really see what is what is occurring the movement you know if, you, if it's something like uh, cricket or tennis or whatever it might be you 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 know it's all above water and you can you can see yourself hit the ball or or not but in swimming uh you know there's there's no holistic view of what's of what's happening just to, just say two things i don't know if we want to explore what other things might be like that that's the first thing the second actually there's a, a flip side of this which is if you are that person who suddenly learns who, who suddenly gets the whistling bit 
I think is there. A, I think there might be a joy in that that you don't necessarily get in the other stuff where you have the immediate feedback thing. There's a suddenly there's a joy of you know the dopamine. You suddenly get it um, mm. that I think only happens in that kind of thing. Uh, Peter, you, uh, sorry, Tom, you were going to say something. Well, I, I was just going to suggest that on this topic we go back to the revelation from earlier in the podcast that Nick remembers the first time he learned mm. to blow his nose. Mm. Nick, can you tell us about mm. the joy you felt at that experience? Yes. So for years, <laughs> I, I'm, so I was about. 11 or 12 and um for years blowing just before my nose, you go on just before mm-hmm. you go on because one of my three kids does not know how to blow his yeah. nose so yeah, okay. i'm looking so, forward to hearing this well i'm going to tell you my technique but yeah. i mean you know so so uh for years blowing my nose was um holding a tissue over my nose and breathing out through my nose <clears throat> and needless to say that didn't work and the didn't reason the it doesn't work is because usually one nostril is bunged up and of course all the air comes out of the other nostril and then someone while i was in the choir I was it was i was at a choir rehearsal at the temple church in central london and someone said um you know uh to blow your nose you you should hold one of your nostrils you know closed with your finger and blow out through each nostril and then hey presto what I can only assume was about 11 years worth of snot came out of my nose into the tissue. And I felt this relief that for years I had never experienced. And, um, and you were um, in the perfect place. There must have been like this choral sound. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but lo, lo and behold, uh, here I am in the same position trying to teach my son to blow his nose. And he bloody well, you know, still can't do it. It's so annoying watching him blow. And he refuses to learn from me because he thinks, you know, I'm talking nonsense. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's the blowing the nose story. Again, I think it's the same thing that it because it's something that's that's happening kind of inside your body. You know, you it's one of those things like you probably just what you want to say is, um, you know, you've got to ergle until your gump is grooted and then you jank and then, hey, presto, that's how you blow your nose. But yeah. we don't have the words to describe what is going on there. Yeah. Um, OK, yeah. so look, where do we want to go yeah, with this? We, we want to well, explore I, 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 any I, others that are like yeah, this? I mean, I, well, I think I think there's a few other factors at, at work um, that that are intrinsic to the task that uh, make it, you know, um, easy to both teach and therefore, you know, and therefore learn. Um, one is to do with um, its intrinsic utility, right? I mean, uh, Nick talked about, you know, the, the perseverance of his daughter in, in teaching herself to whistle. But by and large, you know, uh, most, most people um, will persevere at something that's got an obvious benefit. You know, they'll, they'll invest the resource of time in it if it's got an obvious benefit. So like walking and talking, you know, children are extremely persistent at, but whistling maybe doesn't quite have the same, you know, the same level of obvious utility to your to your life. And I think there's a, there's a good analogue there with, um, with uh, learning foreign languages and, you know, the fact that... Uh, it, the anglophone world is notoriously bad at learning learning languages you know we don't in the uk we don't uh, you have to learn one language uh, compulsory within within our education system at the age of 11 you know in cyprus and malta they have to learn two languages and they start at, at five and you you look at um you know how many people in the uk can uh, um profess to be able to speak a, a second language it's in the sort of 30 34% level the eu average is you know 65% and in in kind of scandinavian countries where nobody speaks their language you know you're up in the kind of 90 90% so i i think there's something about you know the the perceived value of the activity that that drives you know creates the motivation to to learn i also think um there's an element which is uh the the transferability of the of the 
skill you know is it like something so if you can you know play the guitar learning to play the banjo may be more straightforward for you you know for a start you can read read music you know is it is it like something else that you can say well just do you know just do the thing like you do whatever or is it very abstract and u- unique that that makes it uh you know d- difficult um to teach and the the last thing i i sort of think uh or factor that i th- i think plays a role is um the consistency of the task so do you know every time you try it is it is it different in some way so there are some tasks and i at the moment i'm teaching myself to surf which is a good example of this very very badly teaching myself to surf and um the the you know every time you go and surf the waves are are different and so you're learning in different different conditions and what you really want is that kind of classic situation with um you know, if you're learning tennis, where you've got some some machine spitting, you know, uh, three dozen balls at you in exactly the same way, so that you just, uh, you know, you have the massed practice, you groove the skill, and that's how you know that's how you can sort of teach it. So if it's consistent, but if it's if it's very changeable and based on conditions outside your control, I think that makes it a a, a more difficult thing to be taught. We're getting close to to to, to wanting to finish. So yeah, I've got a, a question I want to ask. But before we do, who wants to let, let's round this off or cover? Is there anything else we want well, to, you, to, to have cover? Have you heard Nick? tell of a thing by the name of the cerebellum? Absolutely. Yes. Well, <clears throat> it's part of your brain. It's the uh, apparently um, the in the hind brain of all vertebrates is one of these cerebellum chaps, and uh, it's critical for motor control. And they don't apparently know exactly why. Tom, do you know more about cerebellums than I do? I might uh, hand over to you. I But I, I just a couple of things that I read about uh, cerebellums, which I thought were interesting. And I've been highly speculative in the inferences that I've drawn from it. But one of the things apparently cerebellums uh, do is they they're, they're essentially a, a kind of neural network with inputs and outputs. Um, but they don't have any. Uh, all of the processing is feed forward. So they don't have any ability to. Um, to sort of generate sustained neural activity. And I wonder if that's related to the fact that you can't, for example, learn a new piece of music on the piano without, just by thinking about it. You have to actually do it. Um, stru- so structure-wise, we've got this kind of... It's got a similar structure to a sort of deep learning network. Um, and I wonder, you know, that... So so it's it, the way it works is not very... It's very global, you know, it's not sort of, um, it's not sort of, you, there are not specialised bits. And it's also modular, apparently. So it's kind of consists of similar structures all the way throughout, which suggests basically that I think learning this kind of thing is a very general type of task. And that, you know, learning, so learning to swim, for example, is is a similar process to learning you know, to play the trumpet, um, which I thought was interesting, could all be total bollocks um, because I don't, I'm not a neuroscientist. Tom, you, you, are you a cerebellum guy? I, I have a, a limited knowledge of the cerebellum from my first year at university, but uh, I wouldn't like to pronounce any expertise. I mean, I, 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 I it's, it's um, now, Chris, in, you're, a, you're a, you're a, te- you're yeah, an exercise I, I, physiology. You're used to teach this kind of thing. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's linked to. Um, uh, the sort of control of rhythmic motion. So the fact when when you walk, for example, and swimming, uh, you know, is quite metronomic in its in its um, uh, nature. But uh, that um, control of rhythmic automated motion. So the fact that we can 
you know, walk in this kind of pendulum, which is basically controlled falling, right? Um, is is uh, you know a large part of that process is co is controlled by the cerebellum. So it's more it's more at the sort of rather than fine motor skills, it's more at the uh, the kind of gross end of, of the spectrum of um, and and things that are uh, repetitive and um, uh, yeah rhythmic. Okay, so I've got two questions. Um, one of which is for Tom. So in this, in the narrative arc of this podcast, this episode, what we've got here, we've got a great bit of tension and um, su suspense, okay? Because I think the question that I am certainly, you know, want to know the answer to is, um, is Tom, do you intend, do you have an intention mm. to, to learn to ride the bike, okay? And, and, and whilst, before Tom asks that, I also don't want Tom to feel left out here, right? So my other question is, is there something that we can all think of a skill that we do not have and that perhaps we should? Um, and, you know, that's and also on the other side of that, have you got a skill that other people tend not to have or something that you're particularly good at? OK, those, if we think that's interesting, those are the questions I want to ask. Um, Tom, what are your thoughts? So to your first question, yeah. no, I currently have no plans to learn to ride a bike. Uh, returning to some of Chris's points, for me, the utility is fairly minimal. Uh, I am quite good at walking and I am quite good at using public transport. So uh, I don't really see the point at the moment. Um, to your second question, I think. Well, we, the second well, question, that can, that can wait for a moment. I, I, are we happy to leave it? I don't, Tom, I don't want to badge you about this, so, so we'll probably leave it. At that. It's quite sort of Freudian Oedipal, isn't it? The the you know the the bicycle struggle. <laughs> it does. It does it's feel like it's, it's like King Lear's bicycle or something. You know. Yeah. Battle of locked in a battle of wills with his. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of professional cycling. I I watch the Tour de France every year, um, and. Honestly, not knowing how to ride a bike makes it even more impressive. I don't even know how they stay up, mm. upright, let alone go up mountains. Yeah. So I don't want to ruin that magic for myself. Well, I think I mean, apparently how bikes work has only very recently, and I mean in the last couple of decades, been understood. That that the theory of how bikes worked for the prevailing part of the 20th century is apparently was wrong. It's now been empirically, I don't know, it's something I read somewhere. Probably not what? true. I, I I want to find out more, but I feel that that's a bit of a rabbit. It's hole a po podcast in its own right. Yeah, <laughs> bicycles. Um, yeah. So let let you know. Let's sort of bring it out on the other side then. And we, yeah, we'll start with you, Tom. Like, what what is it that you are champion at? What is it? What is what's the skill or skills you have that you think are quite rare? Well, uh, I'm choosing this one because it's somewhat connected to whistling. Um, I I can do quite an accurate dolphin impression. Um, oh, brilliant. Which I have not yet met anyone else that can. Going to be do. some quality radio coming up. Um, do you know I, we've just got to go there? Yeah, so no, that's great. Well so we know he can do dolphin impressions. Market. Let's move on to other people. <laughs> so we <laughs> <laughs> do we want to hear it or not? Of course, yeah. we I'm want to try, hear it and I can try to explain it and try to teach it. There's an experiment. Okay, yeah, brilliant. So go for it. You've got to first wet your lips as though you were going to whistle, and then close your lips uh, across, and then you breathe in through the corner of your mouth. Like so. <laughs> this is good. That's absolutely astounding. <laughs> and it sounds a little bit like a dolphin. That is really, really. Or, I think that's in a some of your cases, sounds a little perhaps. bit like a kind of a, you know, 
and I'm yeah, can we just have Tom's dolphin only, please, and not the farty sounds you guys were doing? <laughs> okay, well, we'll give, us, give us the dolphin. Have, give us the dolphin one more, one more just time. The floor is yours, Tom. That is the, this is the be, already I'm the best impressed. podcast episode we've ever done. That, that more than makes up for Tom I mean, for, for not being able to ride the bike. I mean, congratulations! You. You're, you're one of life's winners, it seems. So yeah, I mean, well that done. does have massive utility. So I can see why he persevered with that. When the dolphins take yeah. over, you'll all, you'll yeah, all be you'll begging be well for my help then. Yeah, well, and Nick can teach you to swim, so you know you'll be fine. <laughs> um, let's move on to uh, Nick. Well, uh, since we're on the subject of making noises, I can do an impression of a train of a steam train. Okay. Can I hear it? No. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll move on then. <laughs> no, yeah, I do. I do. I do. <laughs> and I can I can also make it sound like it's going into a tunnel, right? So this is the steam train going into a tunnel. <laughs> I had no idea I was surrounded by such talented people. I, yeah, yeah I, I think I think that's actually more like an intercity train rather than a steam train necessarily. It sounds oh, it maybe. sounds more like the yeah. clickety clack along the line rather than necessarily the. the people are going to think that people. Fraser's just dubbed in some actual yeah. sound. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's just yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that's that's my that's the only equivalent thing that I can do really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything that you can't do? Yeah, we, the, well, I mean the one. I would still I would still put in that bracket. I'm I've got a driving license and I can technically drive, but the difference between me driving and me, e.g., playing the piano, is uh, you know, I, I I hate driving and I've never got to the stage where it's thoroughly unconscious, you know, that good drivers can just sit, get in a car and <clears throat> off they go and they they're not even, you know, they can think about something else where they're doing it. For me, it's I'm riveted to the road, um, utterly stressed out the whole time. And um and it just I haven't it hasn't really worked its way, you know, into my full on motor control. It's not something I'm just feel comfortable doing. And um and I think that partly probably because I learnt when I was old enough to realise how dangerous it was. Oh. And uh it's stressed me out ever since. Okay. Elon, Elon Musk will help you out soon, Nick. Don't yeah, worry. exactly. Yeah, I mean that's a redundant skill if ever there was one. Well, uh, Chris, that's two tough acts you've got to follow. Yeah, well, obviously I can uh, make uh, the noise of uh, an elephant. Um, Fraser to insert sound effect. <laughs> um, but uh, um, but no, I think I think my skill is probably um, making uh, Yorkshire pudding. Um, so my Ooh, um, my family are from from my parents are from Yorkshire originally and uh my my mom taught me um to make Yorkshire pudding the 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 batter and you know and and Yorkshire people famously have it as a um uh a an appetizer before um before their their main meal as opposed to with their um you know with their roast Mm -hmm. dinner um but uh but yeah but what there's no sort of uh measurement involved in the process so the, the, basically, the sort of instruction is you 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 know you put uh, the requisite number of eggs in, and then you add as much flour as the eggs right. will, will will take, you know, mm. and then and then and every you, egg is different. So you, every you egg know, is different, to, exactly. Yeah. And then you uh, you apply, uh, you know, you put milk in until it reaches the right consistency. So it's a it, and my so you know my mom tried to teach this once to my mother-in-law, who who was like, well, how much flour do I put in and she was like well you know enough 
uh, the right and, amount <laughs> the right man and so i've you know i feel like i've got this skill now and it's great because you know my my mother died recently and it's sort of like a, a kind of legacy thing that mm. that's uh that, that survives so yeah that's Excellent. my my skill yorkshire pudding oh. and what a uh, great skill by the way because it's not easy and um, anything you don't have Anything I don't have. Um, yeah, any skill that well, you... I, I mentioned. I mentioned surfing. Uh, like oh, yeah. s- surfing is, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I am somebody who has done a lot of physical, learned a lot of physical skills, and loves learning physical skills, mm. uh, acquiring them. I love that. You know that sense of like, oh, I can do it. Uh, and surfing is really eluding me at the moment. It is. Yeah. It, it, it is. I'm finding it very difficult. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, actually, similarly for me because. Um, I'm reasonably sporty, I'm, and and um, two sports that I've never managed to get the hang of. One of them is surfing, um, similar to yourself. And the other one, actually, when we first met Nick, going way back, I used to make great play of the fact that I used to go off to boxing training, mm. right? Um, I can't bloody box. I'm useless at it. And it's it's another one of those sports I've never quite got it. So I can't well, it. interestingly, you're a roughy, buffy, tufty, Ernest yeah. Hemingway type, well, right, you're an intellectual right. and a boxer. E- e- ESPN ran a ran a survey about what the toughest sports were, and they asked a you know a panel of of sort of expert people to sort of grade them on different things. And boxing mm. came out as being the um, the most difficult sport mm. to, to I, yeah, become successful. I can imagine. I can imagine things I can do. I'm pretty good at languages. I pick them up quite easily. I think. Um, and I'm an amazing table football player. I am. I'm astonishingly good at it. I'm just right, that you well, laid down we, the putting that out there. there. Yeah, I think we're going to have to find. We're going to have an Aleph away day with yeah. with a, with a football table in yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And then just because you other guys did it, I I, I tried to think if there's any sounds that I know. Let's see, like jumbo jet taking off. Go on, maybe then. hit Let's us see. with it. <laughs> That's that's really bad. <laughs> that, that was whistling. That, that's what we've been talking about. Hold on, hold on. Wait, it's, I it, can't it's take the pressure. It's a flying the pressure of the moment. Hold on, here we go again. Hold on, all right, let's try again. Let's try again. Hold on. Okay, I like the way Tom's just completely lost it down there. Okay, I should have gone first, not last, right? So let's try again, let's try again. No, I can't. I can't, I can't. staggeringly bad. I can really, do really this. Bad. I can do it. I don't think, I don't think we've got time to wait for this. <laughs> we don't. We yeah. need to finish. We need to finish. Yeah. Oh my God! How no brilliant ending though. Really brilliant. Ending. Right, we'll stop there. So we've established okay. what Fraser definitely can't do. Yeah. I think. I think also it puts my claims of amazing table football um, sort of it into, does into doubt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. We'll stop there. If you've got any thoughts or suggestions for topics, uh, please email us at podcast at lfinsights.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you've enjoyed the podcast, what, what, what should listeners do, Nick? They should swipe right on that like button. Okay. So don't forget to like us and follow us on your chosen uh, streaming services. Thank you, as always, for listening. I'm Fraser McGrew. We've been here with Tom Spence, Nick Hare, and Chris Ragg of Aleph Insights. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.